body, you feel my absence for a couple minutes, right? Spiritually speaking, this is how we all feel when we're not together. And as we talk about this is my church, it's so important for us to understand that we matter. That that if there's a there's a thought of you know will I come today I'm 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 not feeling the greatest. There's sometimes when we're really sick we can't come, but there are also times we're pushing through might be the best thing. Um, there are times when you're needed, you're you're important. Like if I don't show up to church, right? If I just decided I'm done church and I'm just leaving, that would impact you, wouldn't it? You'd be feeling a little like Glenn. What's up with that? We were hoping you were preaching. You, you were on the docket to preach. We, we're, we were relying and, and hoping to hear a sermon. And that's how it feels when, when, when our brothers and sisters aren't here. Amen. We feel their, their absence. We feel the church is not complete when that happens. And so as we continue on in Haggai, um, I hope you're not upset at me. <laughs> I hope this is a memorable time for you is for us to think about just what it means. And I, and I know even just there's real challenges to us, our jobs, our work, our time. There are challenges that we all face, but God calls us all to build his house. Amen? Amen. And there were challenges back in Haggai. and We went through this last, um, last Sunday. But you matter so much to the body. There's not one person that matters less or more in the church, in God's eyes. I believe all of us are essential to building up God's kingdom. And, and it says that all of them was designed, 1 Corinthians 12, right, by God. And God designed the parts of the body just as he determined, the Bible says. There are teachers in this group that God has, has, has inspired through the Holy Spirit to teach that will be teachers in God's kingdom. Amen? There are evangelists in this group that, that get God is raising up as we speak, right? There are, are pastors and deacons in this group. There are worship leaders in this group. There are sisters that don't know they can sing. They're going to be up here months from now singing soprano and alto. Um, there are people that have gifts of speaking that will learn how to speak. Gifts of reaching people, gifts to serve the poor, the compassion that's there. Um, and so for all of us is to get the conviction that, first of all, when you don't come to church, it matters. And when others don't come to church, it matters. And we feel that, that panic. It's like not having a finger. It's like not having a part of your body work. You ever stub your toe? And how that hurts for a day or two. And you're incapacitated. It's hard to walk. Your pinky toe is super important. And maybe you think you're the pinky toe. But we can't do anything if you're not working. Amen? Amen. So let's go to Haggai chapter 1. And we'll jump in. Haggai chapter 1. So that's, if you want to look in the table of contents, you can do that. Zephaniah and Zechariah, right in the middle of that you find Haggai. And we talked about last week a little bit of the background, but just for people to understand a little bit, God's people were exiled into, um, into Babylon, right? They were, they were taken over by them. The temple was destroyed. 
And uh, for 70 years, God prophesied he would bring them back. Amen. And uh, the Persian king uh, conquered Babylon and they had a different viewpoint. They, they wanted people to settle in and to live peacefully within their own cultures. And so uh, actually Cyrus and other leaders in the Persian Empire actually funded and encouraged the, the Jewish exiles to go back and build up Jerusalem again, which is really cool, right? And so Ezra was a part of that work, and obviously Nehemiah was a part of building that wall and even just building that identity, and they did great work. But then the work was halted for some time because of the Samaritans and some of the people around us. They were scared that if the temple was built, that it was going to impact how they were viewed in the community and at the time. And so they tried to, to persecute the church in order to, or the, or the kingdom back then, Israelites, to stop them from, from building. And it halted the work. And then they got back to their own lives. They got off, they, got, they, they stopped focusing on building God's house. And the, 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 the leaders of the countries that were kind of over them was like, build, here's the timber, here's the money, go build the temple. And the people were like, well, I have to build my house first before I'm going to build God's house. And so well, let's read Haggai 1 again, just to go through it again, just so we get a little bit of background as we go into chapter 2 today. Amen? Amen? In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, governor of the Judah, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourself to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You, you eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains. Go. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. It's super convicting, right? I don't even need to preach. The word preaches. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withhold their dew, and the earth its crops. It's called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, everything else. The ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent them and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people, Lord, Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. 
So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel of Shetel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord their God on the 24th day of the sixth month. Pretty awesome. You know, it's been encouraging. Just last Sunday, we preached about this. We preached this first part of it. And people, so many people that I don't remember, came up to me and said, I was so convicted by this message. I need to stop busying myself only with my things and get building God's house. Amen? Amen. Your spirit's getting stirred. Just like these people. In, in verse, um, verse 14, it said, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of these people. Not just these two leaders, but the whole remnant of Israel. How are you doing, church? Are you stirred up? There's something about getting stirred up. When was the last time you were stirred up? To do something for God's house. You know, not just the regular mundane things that you do. But you were stirred up to build God's house in a special way, in a more devoted way. We need people here to get stirred up. To not just build their own houses. Because it can be so easy in America. Is this not America? Your house remains a ruin. Even though it's the only thing you focus on. You know, people's purses are, have holes in it. They're full of debt in this country. Amen? But they keep on spending. They eat. But they never have their fill. They drink. And they're never thirsty. Their thirst never gets quenched. You know, it's interesting how in America we have to give careful thought to our ways. And I know it's not just America, but especially in this country, we are bombarded with distractions from building God's house. And I am among those that can get distracted. I confess, I am distracted daily on building God's house. And so I have to give careful thought to my ways. And remember that God's house still needs to be built up. Amen? There's a way that Satan can make us get comfortable building our paneled houses, going to our jobs and our cubicles, and not focused on building God's house. God said, listen, I am with you. Go build, and I'll take care of the rest. Amen? Amen? That's what's awesome about building God's house, is that God is with the builder. God is with the builder in a unique way. And as they got stirred up, and they're like, you know what? I don't know how it's all going to work out. My house is still ruined. My ducks are not in a row. And I got word for you, church, that's never going to happen. Your ducks will never be in a row. Your house will never be figured out. Your 401k will never look good. And your job and your career will not fulfill and satisfy you totally. You're always going to have this feeling, a to-do list, things to do. Just accept that. But give it to God. And say, you know what, if there's one thing I'm going to do today, it's going to be building God's house. I'm going to build God's house. And I'm not saying don't be irresponsible. irresponsible, But I'm saying let God take care of you in the way only God can. 
I remember going to grad school and having two kids and being in the campus ministry and feeling very overwhelmed. Very overwhelmed. Sleepless lights. Sometimes just staying up late, studying these big books on psychology and um, feeling overwhelmed. And I, and I said, you know, in, in college, I put God first, but I didn't put my times with God as first as I need to because I was so worried about my homework. I was a pre-med student, and so organic chemistry test was coming, and I always, you know, I tried to pray a little bit and read my Bible, but in those moments, especially during finals, I had a hard time seeking God first in my times with him. And I just made a decision. I don't care what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and read my Bible, and I'm going to share my faith every day. And I made a commitment to God. I'm going to read my Bible this long. I'm going to pray this long. And I'm going to go after sharing my faith this long. And on paper, it didn't make any sense. How am I going to study and get everything done and do what I need to do for, for, for the kingdom and do what I need to do for other things? I got a 3.8 in my you know, three years of grad school. Graduated with honors. Amen. But the thing I'm most proud about is I prayed to God every day. Amen. And God did amazing things Amen. in the campus ministry at that time. Yeah. Miracles happened that I never thought would happen. Because as C.S. Lewis says, if you put first things first, second things always come about from that. Amen. But if you put second things, first, second things first, you lose first and second things. It's a great quote from C.S. Lewis that I want you to ponder on for a second. Where are your priorities at right now? I want to ask you. And I'm not just talking about sort of doing the bare minimum. What's the priority of your life? Is it to build God's house? You know, when they ask Jesus, where have you been, Jesus? We're looking for you everywhere. When he was 12 years old, they were looking for him. For two days, they couldn't find him. And it's a terrible thing to do to a mom, right? But you lost the Savior of the world. That's a little hard, right? I understand Mary and her franticness, right? She runs around. She's trying to find baby Jesus, or, or she calls him baby Jesus still. He's 12 at the time, boy Jesus. And he says, don't you know I had to be about my father's business? At 12 years old, Jesus was saying that. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house and be about his business? You know, um, we, we are encouraged just about what God's doing. And um, let's see if this is working here. It is on. Let's see. Maybe I'll just say next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Uh, okay, there we go. So, as we think about this, there's a promise in God's word that we know. Amen? There's a promise that I remember studying out when I was a young Christian. I went to the Bible study with my towel because I thought I was getting baptized. <laughs> I'm getting baptized today. I told my mom, I told everyone I'm getting baptized today. But I wasn't in the brother's minds seeking the kingdom first. And that was a true statement. I canceled three studies because my friends had come in from New York City. 
And I felt like, how am I supposed to just leave them hanging? I had one more Bible study until I was baptized. And we said a baptism would be a Saturday, so I thought, well, you know, I canceled two or three times. That's okay. One time, one of the brothers saw me playing basketball during the time we were supposed to study. That got a little awkward, right? I wasn't seeking the kingdom first. I thought that my friends and their needs were more important than seeking God's kingdom first and being saved. So I came with my towel, and I was like, this is going to be exciting. They're like, we're not baptizing you. And I'm so grateful they did that. To this day, I thank Jesus that these men got stirred up to challenge me and say, if you're going to cancel like that when your soul's in the line, how much more are you going to do this after being baptized? Are you going to seek the kingdom first, Glenn? If you want to do this, you have to seek the kingdom first and demonstrate that you're going to be a disciple and obey Jesus. And they took this command serious. They said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will burn about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is a promise from God that still rings true to me today. What's it mean for you to seek God's kingdom first? What's that mean to you? What's God calling you to do? That's a great question. Because many of us can just sort of think, well, yeah, I'm doing that already. But I'll tell you what, there are times I don't do it. There are times I'm not seeking God's kingdom. And for some of us, and some of the, it's, it's about coming to church, and it's about going to the meetings of the body. But there's more to seeking God's kingdom first, amen, than just coming and putting your tokas in the chair. Although, thank God that we're there and we're showed up. That's the first step. we got to be there. Because if we're not there, we feel that. But, the, but, but what's it mean for me as a 20-something-old Christian who's been trained and given to so much, who has so many blessings? What does that mean for me? It means more than it did when I was studying the Bible with that towel on my back. Amen. And it means more to, for you. Because when much is given, much is expected. Amen. The more given to you, the more God wants you to give back. That's right. And he says, if you give it, I'm going to keep on filling up your jars. Right. Interesting, huh? What a great, great passage of scripture. Where are the jars, guys? We're the jars. You're the jar. Are you ready to be poured out? That's a good question. Are you ready to be poured out? That's what these guys were going through. They had things. Imagine being exiled somewhere and then coming back and rebuilding your life. There would be some things you need to do, amen? Your fields would be unplanted. Your houses would have to be built. These, we, we look at these people like they weren't committed. These people, man, geez, it would have been hard. Okay, let's go right now. We're going to go to a new land, and you get a new life and a new, I mean, some of us did that in the mission field. We're going to do that. It wasn't easy. Brothers were, I remember there was a brother named Matt Butts who, he had an amazing job in human resources in Worcester. He moved up here to help our church be planted, and he was selling vacuum cleaners door to door. And I remember he coming into my house and trying to have us, 
He's like, I got to practice this presentation with you, bro. Will you have me practice? And I was like, hey, man, bro, it's kind of hot in my house. Are you sure? He's like, yeah, I got to do it today. I was like, all right. And he came in with his, all he came in professional looking with his suit on. And, and, and he came down to my basement to show me how the vacuum cleaner works, you know? <laughs> and this brother was sweating so badly. I'd never seen a brother sweat so bad. He was sweating so badly. Drips was coming onto my carpet. And, and it was, I just said, bro, I totally understand. You did a great job. Let me get you some lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I love him and the heart that he had to, to be here and establish this church. Amen? Amen? But it wasn't easy. And yet he had to stay focused on building God's house. Building God's house is so important. Um, I'm having a hard time with this. Let me see here. Here we go. This is the title of the message. Now is the time to build God's house. Amen? Amen. That's the title. Now is the time. The thing that can be sometimes challenging for us is we say, once I get this figured out, then I'll really build God's house. That is the trickery of the evil one, isn't it? Once I figure this out, then... I'll do this. I do it. You do it. We all do it. And what I want us to all commit to is saying, now is the time. You know, someone said, you know, you got to live in the present. And to serve God, you have to live in the present. You can't live in the future. That's what Jesus even said. Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't look back, as the Bible says. He who looks back from the plow is not fit for service. Some of us are stuck in the past. And I'm not saying we don't talk about that and get help with that, but we have to keep on looking forward. You know, if I plowed like this, that would be a tough, you know, try to snow blow like that, doesn't work out. <laughs> Slam into a snowbank or something else, a small dog. You got to be careful. You can't be, you can't be snow blowing like that. You can't be plowing like that. But the truth is, if we look back, we can't, we're not fit, the Bible says, for service. We have to build now. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Next slide. That's actually what it says. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It's time. When is it time to build a church? Right now. Right now. And it's small things. I think times we get a little overwhelmed. Like, oh, my goodness. How am I going to live out this passage? When I say I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to do it right now. I have a friend of mine that wants to come to church. I need to follow up with them. Let me do it right now. That sister's on my mind, and man, I really want to encourage her. Let's do it right now. Danielle and I were out on Valentine's, and I admit I was just raptured by my wife. I was just totally into her. I wasn't thinking about the kingdom of God. Amen? She's distracting sometimes to me. And we, we were just having a blast. We had a little lunch. And, you know, we had a little latte. We're having a little, you know, a little, little food in the corner room, a little lunch, a little salad. And we're all excited. And, and Danielle goes, we should go encourage Barbara with a smoothie. And I love Barbara so much. I love her so much. And I was like, oh, I didn't think that was going to come out of your mouth. 
I thought you were going to say, thank you for the flowers. He did say thank you for the flowers. Or, you're so awesome, you know? And Danielle was like, we should go encourage Barb. So we went, you know, and, and at the time it was super hard parking. You know, everything's, you know, everyone's going on a date. And so I'm, we're, we're, we're having to park somewhere else to get, you know, the smoothie. And then we have to park somewhere else. And, and, and it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> like I'm making it. But I love Danielle's heart. Let's encourage her right now. Amen? So it's, she gets all the credit for that smoothie and what the Lord put her. But, but I do think, guys, it can be challenging in our stage of life. Some of us have small kids. Some of us have really demanding jobs, demanding schedules. I want to encourage you. It's the little things that build God's house that you do right now. When God's Holy Spirit puts something on your heart to go share with that person or go encourage this person or pray for this person or follow up and, and just ask, hey, you looked a little sad on Sunday. Are you okay? You know, or, or just doing something that you know God put on your heart. Do it right now. And if you can't do it right now, set a reminder for you to do it Amen. soon. I love reminders. Remind me to blah, blah, blah. You know, it's helpful for me. Because my brain can get filled with many things as your brain can be filled. Amen? We're going to fly through this, but essentially, the world teaches first you, then others. Amen? God teaches first him and others, then you. It seems backwards, doesn't it? That the, the person that does this will be more blessed than the person that thinks of themselves. It doesn't make any sense. And to our logical minds, it doesn't make sense that, hey, you know what? I have to love my neighbor as myself. That's a true statement. We have to love ourselves. It's important to love ourselves. We don't love ourselves. It's hard to love others. But Philippians 2 teaches us that Jesus did this. He was the greatest jar, wasn't he? He poured himself out. He emptied himself out of his own, even the concept of being God, even though he was to serve us. And then God exalted him to the highest place. He is our example of building God's house. Amen? Amen. He's our example of, of, of doing it now. He's our example of being that jar that empties itself. Can I get that next slide? We're going through it here. Haggai 2. Let's read this. The rest of this passage here. It's only two chapters, which is nice. It's the smallest book next to Obadiah in the Old Testament. So take heart. The sermon's ending very soon. <laughs> Verse 1. The second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Amen? This is what the Lord says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill his house with glory. 
says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of its former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. You know, the first point, and we're going through these real quick, is God is with the builders. This is what's encouraging. This is why I can get to work right now. Is because God is going to bless me more for being irresponsible in the world's eyes. Now I say we're not irresponsible in God's eyes. But we might feel irresponsible. It's irresponsible for me to be a head coach of an AAU team of my son and say I'm not coming on Sunday because I have to preach the word. It's irresponsible to say to your boss, hey, I want to be a team player, but I'm not going to be there on Sunday because I need to build God's house. It's irresponsible to, to when, when someone wants to be unrighteous and you're going to look a little out of place, not with the rest of the group, in the world's eyes, to not just go with the crowd. But God is with the builders. God is with the builders. Go to the next slide here. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. I want us to write this scripture down. I want us to meditate on the scripture this week. Because I think it's so encouraging. Amen? Amen. The rich young ruler. This is about the rich young ruler. Remember the rich young ruler? He's, he fell on his knees and said, good teacher. What must I do in inherit eternal? He had the best question ever. Right? And we know the story. Most of us know the story. Jesus said, you know the commandments. And he goes through them. And the rich young man said, I have kept these since I was a boy. And then Jesus says, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, then you'll have treasures in heaven. And the man was like, say what now? And he walked away and was sad. And then Peter was like, that guy's more together than me. Who can be saved? And he was trying to remind Jesus, you know, we, used to, we left everything to follow you. He was a little worried that if that guy can't make it, how am I going to make it, you know? But only by the grace of God, amen? amen? It's the only way we can make it. With man, this is impossible. God thinks all things are possible. But Jesus says something in, in smack, you know, at the end of this story that I've held on to ever since I was a young Christian and need to recall now. The Bible says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, in the age to come, eternal life. Amen. These, there's promises in God's word yeah. that we have to claim. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but it's harder to put our necks out to be Abraham and, 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 and bring the knife down to sacrificing something for God. But then God says, I'll give you a hundred times as much. In this present age, that's what's incredible. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about a promise that if you, you're going to have to give up things to build God's house. There's no glory without sacrifice. You know, we have plans, don't we? But some of those plans 
need to be sacrificed for God. Some of them need to be sacrificed. This is something that I think is so inspiring because if I gave you a dollar bill and you got $100 back, you'd take that deal every time, wouldn't you? But this currency is greater. He says, whatever you give up for me, job, gas. <laughs> Some of us are giving up a lot of gas to come to church, traveling. Whatever you give up for me, I'm going to give you 100 times as much in this present age. How about time, guys? I thought about this. Every time, people always ask me, oh, thank you. So, they say, thank you so much for studying the Bible with me. It's amazing you're taking the time to get with me. And you know what? I felt that too. These guys had jobs, they had things they were doing, and they took the time to study with me. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Explained to the knucklehead while I had my towel. <laughs> you know, and I got mad at them, especially in that study. What do you mean? I'm not getting baptized. You know, I, I was about to say, who are you? But then I, I said, wait, humble out, humble out. I was thinking it. There's something in me that the Holy Spirit said, shut up and listen. And I heard something great, and it helped me. And I've been seeking the kingdom first, for the most part, because of those brothers. But in this passage, it says that mothers, homes, sisters, brothers, fields, children. I want you to fill in the blank of what you're struggling with for Jesus and the gospel. For me, it's comfortability. What's kind of cool is that whenever I give up my time for Jesus, I got eternity he's given me. And he also makes up a lot of time. A lot of people waste a lot of time, don't they? Man, after I became a Christian, I had so much time because I was partying so much. So much time. I was like, wow, I'm kind of bored. What do I do? Let's go share our faith. bro. Okay, let's do that. Life was a lot easier. Not being hung over. Not spending all this time carousing. Amen? But now we live well put together lives. We're not out partying. We could be more like the rich young ruler. Who says, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I got this stuff on straight. But then Jesus looks deep in your heart and says, one, one thing you haven't given up yet. Give it up. We can't walk away sad, church. Amen. The Holy Spirit's going to stir us up. I know he is. He's stirring me up. He's stirring me up to build God's house. He's stirring me up to go, yeah, you're doing the things you need to do, but I want you to go to higher ground, as the, as the song says. God's with the builder. So when I'm doing something for him, he is working for me. If you work for God, God works for you. Second point is the quick one. When we give God the best, this is, right? I did this on purpose. When we give God the best, next slide. Oh, next slide. He opens the floodgates to provide the rest. That was a little too cute, probably. But I want you to remember, when you give God your best, he opens the floodgate to provide the rest. Here's the thing. Do we give God our best? Wow, that's a great question. The best of ourselves. Verse 10, Haggai, chapter 2. We're going to finish this chapter up. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests 
what the law says. You know, we got a little help from Lourdes and Nick on that. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garments, I was thinking, oh, that's kind of nasty, you know, like consecrated meat, just kind of like, hey, bro, there's some meat here, bro. Here you go. You know what I mean? There's a little, hey, I don't want that meat, bro. I'm good. Um, and that fold touches some of the bread and stew, some wine, olive oil, other food. Does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. The Haggai, then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead person touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied. They had the good answers going. It's like, I feel like you're going somewhere with this, Haggai. It becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do, whatever they offer, there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to the heap of 20 measures, there were only 10. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day. When the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree has not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the second time on the 24th day of this month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn the royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overcome chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. He is speaking, of course, of the Christ that is going to come. And what I want to say is God has blessed us, amen, so much. And let me say this, we are not in this passage completely. We have offered consecrated sacrifices to God's kingdom, amen. All of us have. And, I, and God is proud of you and he wants to bless you. But sometimes it can be hard to keep on sacrificing like that. I don't know about you, but hey, I did my thing. Someone else get in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can be easier just to say, hey, I want to sit bench right now. I'm going to sit bench. I'm tired. I need some Gatorade. Go knock them dead, bro. And there's times where we do need rest, and there's times where we all need to help each other. Amen? But we always need to give God our best. You know, as a coach or as anyone that helps people, you want to get the best out of them. You don't want the second best or the scraps. You want the best. What's it mean for you to give God your best? You know, this is our church, right? This is my church. What's that mean to give the best? You know, I, I, I think that's, that's something that 
isn't going to just be answered today. <laughs> it's going to take conversations. And next Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about the practical aspect of building God's house. Amen? Amen. We've been kind of talking about this biblical aspect, and, and I wanted to really build a foundation from God's word that if we give God our best, he's going to provide the rest. We don't need to fear. There's hundreds of promises in the Bible about how God is going to take care of the builder. Amen? Amen. But God demands the best because he gave us the best, didn't he? His son, Jesus. He gave his signet ring, Jesus Christ. Didn't he give his best? I don't think there's anything more precious than a son. And to give up his son was the best. When you give God the best, you'll watch him open the floodgates and do the rest and provide the rest. You know, I think God's Holy Spirit moved powerfully. We talked about Cain and Abel's sacrifice. And it's important for us to search our heart. Our, is our... Is our sacrifice like Cain or Abel's? You know, I don't want to give the leftovers, the scraps to God. Don't you hate that? And that's what I saw in the Bible. I always think, man, what, what's up with Cain, man? He, he got the bad thing. He provided the, you know, vegetables, the salad. He brought the salad. You know, Abel brought the, the meat. But there's a really important thing that says, it says that Abel gave the first fruits, the first born, right? The best. While Cain provided the leftovers. You know, both came with a sacrifice, but one came with the leftovers. I know about you, but if you see like vegetables get a little old, it's not that inspiring, right? And I, I maybe it was crunchy, but you know, it doesn't get crunchy. And there's not, you know, I like my lettuce crunchy. But then it gets a little brown, and you see that kind of really quickly it goes away. And so for us, it's, it's important that we give our best. Amen? Amen? Are we about the Father's business? You know, is the Lord frustrating you and getting your attention? What if we built God's house instead of our house? What would God do? What is God putting in your heart to build? You know, as we end, I just want us to think about this. I don't want you to come out feeling down on yourself. I want you to feel stirred up. If you can spend some time this week just thinking about the, the scripture we looked at in Mark 10. And, and, and think of a meeting with Jesus like the rich young ruler. You ever do that? Go, I'm the rich young ruler and I'm coming up to Jesus. And I say, what must I do in inherit eternal life? What must I do to please you, Jesus? What would Jesus say back to me? Maybe he'd say, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. Maybe he'd say, I want you to step up in this area. I want you to go after this. I want you to go after that. I want you to serve in this way. I want to even ask you, to think and pray about that. And in some way or form or fashion, it would be amazing to have times of sharing for us to go, you know what? This is what God's put on my heart to do because this is my church.
You know, I, I appreciate Charlie. He's always thinking about how he can serve God's church. He's always thinking about ways that can inspire the church. He calls me every week about something that God's put on his heart to do. And I appreciate him. You know, saying we got to pray and fast. It starts with me. And for all of us, if we're going to build this house, it's so important that we remember this little book in the Old Testament, Haggai. Because I don't believe it was written just for the people back then. It's one of the most prophetic books I've ever read when it comes to speaking to God's people. These aren't non-Jewish people. These are God's people. And how we can sometimes forget that God is with the builder. And that when we give God the best, God's going to open up the floodgates to provide the rest. Amen. Amen.